When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Welcome along to Football Social Daily, your Premier League podcast with a new episode seven days a week. On today's show, Liverpool lost, but they're through. Champions League action returned to Anfield last night with Internazionale Milano, the visitors. But despite a 1-0 win for the Italians and what Jurgen Klopp called slapstick Liverpool finishing, the Reds are through to the next stage of the competition. As for Manchester City, well, they aren't officially through just yet, but they may as well be as they hold a 5-0 aggregate advantage over Portuguese club Sporting. With the tie dead and a relatively thin City squad, should Pep give the youngsters a go at the Etihad tonight? Plus, the Premier League has decided to pull broadcast rights from Russia amidst the ongoing invasion of Ukraine. And Wesley Fofana has signed a new deal at Leicester City. We'll discuss that on the only daily Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. Welcome along to the show. I'm Niall and joining me today in the white corner, we've got Ian Brennan. How are you doing, Ian? Yes, from the top rope. Yes, um, <laughs> I'm fine. Fine. Yeah, thanks. All good. How are you? Very, very good. And in the black and white corner, we've got oh. Marley Anderson. How are you doing, Marley? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> loving it. Just yeah, I've, we're finally reeled in Leeds, so I can come on to this this podcast <laughs> and uh, a little bit more confident than uh, than I normally am. So yeah, the big irony of all this is that um, where I'm recording this from today is literally opposite St James's Park. <laughs> it's right out the window. Marley's in the black and white corner, but in spirit, whereas you're physically in the black and white corner because you're across <laughs> the road from St James's. I can see the number nine bar named after Alan Shearer. I think, look at that stadium, though. I mean, there's so many nuts and bolts. All it needs is somebody with a big spanner and the whole thing would come tumbling down, surely. (laughs) We'll leave it there. We don't need to get stuck into Newcastle. Let's get stuck into the Champions League. Maybe Newcastle might be back there one day, (laughs) but for the time being, it's Liverpool we're going to discuss. Because they played last night, their second leg of the last 16 tie between them and Italian side, Internazionale, Inter Milan, of course. Liverpool threw... But Inter won the game on the night. It was 1-0 to the Italians. They also had a man sent off, Alexis Sanchez, the former United and Arsenal forward, was dismissed. But all in all, Marley, it wasn't a, an easy night for Liverpool. They're through, though, regardless. Yeah, they um, they, they seem to have dropped off a little bit in, in recent weeks. Um, I was thinking last night, like, I think everyone else will be hoping that like this is the start of their blip rather than their full blip. Um, because it's you know we all know Liverpool can keep up the standard to a ridiculous level, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the last couple of games they haven't been amazing, and last night was 
was sort of an epitome of that. Like um, they they had chances to to make this more comfortable for themselves, but um, I don't think they were ever really in in massive danger of of the tie going to extra time and and then penalties. Um, but it could have been. It still could have been easier for for uh, for Liverpool, but. Yeah, it's um, it's job done, and it's it's just on to the next one really now for Liverpool. You, you know, the, this game wasn't sort of the be all and end all of their season. They they expected to win it. They were comfortable uh, with the two nil lead that and, and the hard work they'd done in Italy. So yeah, uh, they'll be they'll be happy enough to just move on and, and concentrate on the next one now and and try and keep this level up rather than um, dwell on this like oh we could have been better on the night type of thing. Yeah, it's definitely job done for Liverpool. They did the leg work, as Marley says, in the San Siro. But they probably should have scored at Anfield last night, Ian. Jurgen Klopp even said that it was slapstick finishing, which is quite a funny (laughs) quote for him to come out with. Um, It's not like Liverpool not to score any goals with the players that they've got. So maybe it was just one of those nights for them. Yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? As you say, a, a sort of rare off night. In fact, I think I'm right in saying exactly a year since they last lost at uh, at Anfield as well when they uh, when they were beaten by Fulham um, I believe last season um, so they've managed a whole year and then it's all gone uh, slightly pear shaped for them last night but obviously as you say job done slapstick finishing as you mentioned the other thing that I like from uh, Jurgen Klopp was that he compared playing Inter to com- to playing against Leeds United although <laughs> he did he did caveat it by saying that it was it was like playing against a Bielsa Leeds United team but just with more quality. Those were his exact words. So uh, I'd like to therefore compare Leeds to be a slightly poorer Inter, um, or quite a significantly poorer Inter, probably you'd say. But And then he went on to say about the slapstick, you know, it, it, every team has these games. It's very rare for Liverpool to have a night like that. You know, I mean, yes, they had a 2-0 lead. I would have been a very nervous Liverpool fan, I think, um, going into this game with just a 2-0 lead, even though, you know, you've got this history of recent games of demolishing sides and and be a free-flowing, attacking side that we know Liverpool are. You know, two goals wasn't really a mega cushion. Like, obviously, we've got some sides that we're going to talk about. I've got a five-goal cushion. You think, well, you know, they're going to do well to throw that away. But two goals... Still a bit tight, but anyway, they got the job done and through to the next round. So uh, it's all good in the end, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. For them, definitely what they would have wanted, getting through to the next round. And I think you talk about Liverpool having a bit of a blip, Marley, but is it just the fact that Inter and West Ham, the two teams they've played last, even though they've lost one against Inter, but they're through and it was hard against West Ham. Is it the fact that they're just two good teams that they've come up against? Or do you think that there is something uh, a little bit different at play here? Yeah, I mean that is that is part of it. You know, it's not as if they're they're just not turning up against teams they should hammer. Um, West Ham are, are solid, and you know they they will make it hard for you. Um, they've been sort of slightly below their level for the last few weeks, um, but they're still a decent team. And so are Inter. You know, I said yesterday they're fighting for the title in in Italy. Um, I think if they win the game in hand, they're back at the top of the table with ten games to go to re uh, to retain their their Serie A title. So. Um, you know, it's it's not as if Liverpool are, are turning up and playing like strangers. It's uh, it's it's just the level of competition. And we're in April. You know, getting towards the business end of the season, there there sometimes are a, a few nerves at this point because people start saying, you know, oh, what a title race, or or you know, uh, X team looks looks amazing. What their running's easier than yours? Blah blah blah. They should win it. And there's all kinds of different like pressures because it's ramping up towards the real. Um, 
as Alex Ferguson would say, squeaky bum time of the season where one slip up can can cost you. So there were probably will be a few nerves knocking round. Um, and yeah, you know, but ultimately, yeah, into into a good side, um, back in the Champions League for the first time in a while. Um, well, knockout stages at least. Uh, and you know, they're they're no mugs. So it's is it surprised that that Inter won the game? Not massively. Um, but Liverpool still did enough and and guided themselves through to the uh, to the next round. Are they favourites for the Champions League, Ian? We'll come on to Manchester City's game against Sporting tonight very shortly. But I mean, we know how good they are in Europe. They've won six titles. They've been a force in European football under Klopp in the last few seasons, winning against Spurs, of course, and then getting to a final before that as well. Do you think they're favourites this season? Well, if they have to be one of the favourites. I don't know if they're the favourite. I think probably still a little way out yet to, to, to sort of call that, in, in my opinion. But what they do have, mm. and I think this is probably maybe would swing it of, of the ones available, versus, say, Man City, just just as an example. What they do have is they, they've done it. And, yes. and I think that's a big mm. mental barrier. Yeah, we've seen that with Man City, that they, they fall short and they just can't get it over the line. But Liverpool, you know, they've done it. And they haven't just done it once. They've done it loads of times, not just in this era, but across eras. They, these players are used to seeing, you know, the the, the teams of the 70s and, and early 80s yeah. and stuff. Lord of- it's around the club, yeah. isn't it? When they walk through the training ground in Anfield, they'll see the banners and the posters and, and it's exactly. there, isn't it? It's tangible. It's, it's, mm. it's something that the club is known for, proud history in Europe and... And, uh, and and for that reason, they've got that momentum where, you know, it's still new ground to be broken for some clubs, including Man City. It's something that they've never done. Uh, and, yeah, you know, may well do it this year. I'm not saying that the Man City can't. I'm just saying that you've got that mental capacity, that mental um, thing already is, is, is gone with them. It's it's done. It's, it's, it's on the board and part of the fabric of the club. So, yeah, um, for that reason... I would say that's that's the the big wind in their sails. Obviously, there's other teams that have won it in the past as well. But um, but yeah, I think Liverpool with uh, with Mo Salah firing on all cylinders and all that, then they're going to be pretty tricky to stop. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think when we're talking about favourites, we often do tend to have a a shining towards the English clubs. Naturally, being Premier League fans and a Premier League podcast, we are going to see more of those sides. But let's not forget Bayern Munich. I know they only played Salzburg last night, but they beat them by seven. They absolutely demolished them. And they're a side who look very, very good as well. So I think a lot of people are trying to avoid uh, getting drawn against Bayern Munich. But Liverpool are through to the next round after beating Inter Milan. Um, Jurgen Klopp didn't only mention after the game that it was slapstick finishing from his side, but he couldn't resist having a little moan, as he always does, about the fixture schedule and five substitutions again. That is just modern football now, Jurgen, unfortunately. And he's going to have to lump it until the end of the season. They are still in four competitions and he's won, well, they've uh, won one of them. So there's three competitions left. So, I mean, you can't really sit there and complain about the schedule and playing twice, sometimes three times a week when they're in four competitions. That's the pro- byproduct of being a successful team. It's because he because he hasn't binned one off this season like he normally does. <laughs> he, he, normally, uh, he normally just gives up and throws his throws his cap in, doesn't he? He goes, ah, I can't be asked with this. And then this season he hasn't done it and he's moaning about the how many games he's got to play. Yeah, I think we should keep a tally of how many times Jurgen Klopp moans about the schedule or oh, the five substitutes I thing. I, I, it's probably on <laughs> into double oh, figures by, by now. I'm so busy, I'm so busy. So many football matches. What do they expect me to do? <laughs> um, do you know, um, actually, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in, um, the new uh, Liverpool manager. That's, <laughs> that's, that's very much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
in 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 Germany, where obviously he's from and has, has got a lot of history managing there, they only play four less matches. So, and yes, they have a winter break, but it's not like we're sort of piling him high full of uh, double the amount of fixtures or anything. It, it, on average, it's only four or five fixtures difference. Yeah. It's it's we're talking an extra what seven or eight hours work. That's like a whole day for some people. With the fact that we've ditched replays in. The FA Cup, I don't think there's a two-legged semi-final of the Carabao Cup now. It's just a one-leg. So I think it's one of those things where you you do have to kind of take the rough with the smooth. And for all the complaining Jurgen Klopp does, there has been elements uh, and actions taken to combat that. Uh, talking of thin squads, Manchester City allegedly have only got 14 fit players for their game in the Champions League tonight. We'll talk about that next after this. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Welcome back to the show. My name's Niall, Marley Anderson and Ian Brannan are alongside me and we've already discussed Liverpool's loss last night despite the fact they're through in the Champions League. City haven't played their second leg against Sporting. That takes place at the Etihad this evening. But with a 5-0 aggregate lead, they are basically through, aren't they? They're not going to throw that away against a, a decent Sporting side, it has to be said. With that in mind, Marley, do you think Pep Guardiola should play some of the younger players this evening? Like... Cole Palmer, James McAtee, Samuel Adozi, etc, etc. They've got some good young players at Manchester City. Pep's already said the squad's looking quite thin on the ground this evening. They've got such a mammoth lead. A good game at the Etihad under the lights. Champions League knockout stages. It should be a good opportunity for that to be the case. But as we always say with Pep, you just never know. Yeah, I think um, everyone's hoping for that. But I think everybody that knows what Guardiola's like will probably um, tune in to the to the broadcast at like half six or whenever the teams come out, whatever it may be, and uh, and see the the strongest possible Man City side lining up. Um, <laughs> and it will be attempted murder on, on Sporting. Because um, it, it's just what he does, isn't it? We, we see it. Um, was it uh, the the League Cup game against Swindon? He, he basically put the full 11 out, um, plus Cole Palmer, and then... The uh, the Peterborough game it was the full eleven of, of the FA Cup a couple of weeks ago so um, I'm I'm expecting it to be strong um, but I, I I would hope to see you know if I was tuning in as a neutral or even a Man City fan just to see the likes of McAtee Palmer uh, Idozi as as you said you know um, and and some more more of the youth team because we know they've got it like we we it's you know kind of like saying we've got a Ferrari in the garage but you can't see it right now with Man City's youth team because we know they've got the talent there but you can't we don't see it enough um and obviously that's because of you know the stakes being so high and whatever and Guardiola will probably say that Sporting are capable of beating Man City 5-0 like tonight that's that's his outlook on it he'll probably be thinking um of saying things like that to to feed the nice little anecdotes to the press and things like that we all know they can't it's almost impossible um even though sporting are a decent side as you said you know they did really really well to win the portuguese league last last season um but ultimately you know the champions league is what it is to cut above especially in the knockout stages uh you've seen that with uh with salzburg getting battered in in munich last night seven goals to seven goals to one i think it was in the end um 
and you know it's it's just another another couple of levels up um and that's what sporting found out in the first leg i think it, at one point even the the sporting fans were were almost like you know what we can't we can't touch this and it almost like i think they were clapping uh, Man City's goals when they went in towards the end. Yeah. Um, so I think even Bernardo, who used to play for Benfica, who obviously was, you know, running away in celebration with absolute glee at scoring yeah. past Sporting. I think even the Sporting fans, despite his Benfica connections, of course, those two clubs rivals in Lisbon. Um, I think even they could appreciate the performance that City put on. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was bit of a masterclass really Bernardo seemed to he was like that meme you know the Michael Jordan meme from that uh from the uh the last dance when he just says I took that personally that that was <laughs> that was Bernardo Silver against uh, against Sporting as if he was as if he had something to prove and, and stuff like that so yeah I'm I'm expecting still a, a pretty strong team and a pretty comfortable win for Man City again tonight um hopefully we'll see some of the the young lads come on or or, or even start but that's all in Guardiola's master plan, I suppose. What do you think, Ian? Because as we've mentioned already, Guardiola claims that there are only fourteen fit players available for the game tonight, which makes we which makes us believe that the bench will be made up of young players, like Marley says. Kyle Walker's out with suspension, and Guardiola was saying that he's still angry at him for getting sent off in a group stage game um, a few weeks back, or might even be in a few months back now before Christmas, actually. Um, but that's even more reason to rotate. And I think the City fans in attendance tonight would quite appreciate seeing some of the young players start. But, but do you think they will? Um, yeah, obviously they've got a very good lead there. Um, you'd be hard pushed to, to imagine them throwing that away, even with uh, youth players. And why not give them that experience? Because, you know, how, how are the, otherwise, how are you going to get an, the experience of that um, sort of occasion? Um, you know, it is a, a, a big um, knockout match in the Champions League, but having a five-goal start... Is certainly going to help help allay any fears, and it has to be a great opportunity to see some of these players, see what they've they've got um, against some you know still very decent opposition um, under the lights on on the big stage. So yeah, I think we will see some some youngsters coming in, and probably um, not just on the bench to start with. I think you know probably in the in the main body of the team right from the start, we'll probably see quite a few uh, rested. It might be a case where it's the other way around, where the youngsters start and and there's there's a backup on the bench because obviously you can put a fair number of substitutes on and have uh, have some of the big hitters just sat on the sides just in case maybe. Mm, yeah, I mean, well, I asked you earlier if Liverpool are Champions League favourites. Man City are the favourites with the bookies. Pretty much every bookmaker I could find had Manchester City as, as favourites, slightly ahead of Liverpool and then Bayern Munich. So... Uh, can you see why that's the case? I mean, they've—I know Sporting are, are a good team. They're Portuguese champions, and as Marley says, you know they did well to win that league, but they've been absolutely demolished in the first leg. Um, and Man City, like you've mentioned before, don't have that heritage or pedigree in terms of winning the trophy in the past. So, can you see why the bookies have them down as favourites for this season? No, <laughs> in a word, I'm not sure why because I think Liverpool, as we've already talked about, have got that sort of pedigree in this competition. I guess they're they're favourites because. They've they've had some fairly healthy wins and and obviously they're five nil up example for example in this tie they could end up finishing on aggregate seven eight nine nil winners or whatever going through and and probably for that reason but you know also don't rule out um, Bayern Munich here I think Bayern Munich are probably the one that um, if it's not one of those two that we've mentioned Liverpool or Man City I think Bayern Munich are, have got to be the third favourites um, the way that they've been going about their business so um, you know I, I think that it, it's not necessarily guaranteed that the trophy is going to end up in 
yeah. in England in one form or another. But because I think uh, I think Bayern Munich would certainly be the one you'd, you you wouldn't want to face. Yeah, certainly Manchester City reaching the final last year. I think they felt that they would have had enough to beat Chelsea and lots of talk about that team selection on that fateful day back in May um, by Pep Guardiola and who are Manchester City fans to kind of um, slag off Guardiola for his team selection because it's worked on so many occasions. But can they go one step further this time around? What about you, Marley? Bayern Munich, Man City, Liverpool? I think you fancy City, don't you, for the championship this year? Um, I've I've fancied City every year for the last three years. <laughs> the Champions League, I really have. <laughs> um, I don't think there's been a better team in Europe. Um, whether that results in, in a Champions League win or not... Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably still stick with them. I think when it comes down to it, Man City against Liverpool, if if that is the final, I'd I'd just lean towards City in terms of of how it goes. You know, we're sitting in the Premier League twice a season. It it you know City have got a slightly better record um, in that sort of fixture. So yeah, um, I would probably go with that. I hope we see that in the final, to be honest as well, because as good as Bayern have been. I don't think they're as good as either City or Liverpool. So hopefully the the draw keeps them apart and they, they meet in the final. Well, depending on how the draw does go, there's a chance that in April we could see City and Liverpool face each other in the Champions League over two legs, as well as the Premier League game uh, between the sides. So there could be around three matches between the two teams in a row, which would just be outrageous. Um, It really would be. And I think the FA Cup might even come into it as well. So it's shaping up to be a really exciting April. For now, though, we're in early March and everyone knows exactly what's been going on in the world outside of football and it has impacted the Premier League. We'll bring you up to date with that next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss another episode again. We are the only show with a brand new episode on Premier League football every single day of the season. And of course, the Premier League is a global brand, including in Russia. And the Premier League has decided to take action. We've seen that this weekend with lots of gestures of support towards the Ukrainians. Um, banners, minutes of applauses before kickoffs around the Premier League this weekend. But now it's been decided that the broadcast contract in Russia has been suspended amidst that Ukraine invasion. There was a four hour meeting of all 20 Premier League clubs. It took just 15 minutes of that meeting for them all to decide that action should be taken. So the Premier League has suspended that Russian broadcast contract. So people in Russia won't be able to watch Premier League football this weekend or for the foreseeable future I think we can all agree Ian that that's the right decision isn't it yes I think so and I think you know to be to be honest I'm not sure there's any guarantee that they would actually allow it to be shown in Russia either especially if there's you know political messaging within the crowd or or with players or or whatever you know I think there is a good point it's a very good point things things in Russia are hugely restricted at the moment in terms of um, what's allowed to be said um, you know, so much so that a lot of reporters have, have been leaving. I think some have gone back in as of today, but because it was frankly illegal to sort of suggest anything otherwise than than what the Russian line was. Um, and so if you've got players running around, you know, with slogan T-shirts or um, Ukrainian flags in the crowd and all this kind of stuff that we're likely to see this weekend, um, I can't imagine that's going to 
get past the censors uh, in Russia, to be honest, anyway. Um, but so, yeah, absolutely um, the right thing to do because it's a major product and it's a major um, a major thing that um, that they're in both. In, obviously, we know the Russian involvement in the league in terms of where some of the money and some of the people who are f- funding the, the various clubs, which won't obviously go into particularly. But um, but yeah, so um, yeah, makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the FA Cup and the EFL matches will also not be shown in Russia, uh, according to what was decided yesterday, Marley. We've said this recently on the podcast. We'll continue to say it. Current affairs is affecting football. As Ian says, obviously, Abramovich has decided to sell Chelsea. Whether that's linked to Russia's invasion of Ukraine is up to other people rather than me to decide. Uh, Uzmanov, who's involved in Everton Football Club, um, his sponsorship of the club's training ground and other uh, club assets that's been pulled and suspended. Um, Manchester United have uh, a sponsorship deal with the national carrier of Russia that's been terminated. So there's no doubt that football and politics is linked and it always will be. So I think we'll probably see more of these stories. Don't you think? Yeah. Um, I think if you're still one of the people that says politics and football should be, should be kept apart. I think you you're dreaming. Um, you know, with with a global reach of football, it's always going to be, um, it's always going to be linked. It's always going to be used for the right reasons, for the wrong reasons, uh, for ulterior motives to hide ulterior motives at times. Um, and this is, you know, I mean, I was at the game at the weekend. You know, um, there was a the minute applause. There was Ukrainian flags everywhere. There was uh, flags on on t-shirts before games that the players were warming up with, captain's armbands, everything. So, um. Obviously, that that's gonna get through to Russia if they broadcast that, and that is what they cannot uh, allow at the minute. You know, they're they're totally um, a bit of a totalitarian regime at the minute. You know, they're completely uh, it's a complete dictatorship. Um, they're they're uh, drip feeding the info that they want to to give to their people to make them sort of justify this this war in Ukraine. Um, and it's obviously it's horrible, um, but you know what can we do with with football to to help it? And I think one of the 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 starting points of that is just to to ban them from from showing it. You know, there's a lot of money in football, and there's a hell of a lot of money in TV broadcasting rights. Um, so by taking the Champions League final away from from Russia, um, taking uh, Gazprom's um, advertising boards down when you see it around the Champions League and then you know suspending TV rights as well I think it's uh, that's all you pretty much can do as as uh, as Premier League sides and as as um, European sort of like Champions League and UEFA sort of thing um, so yeah it's, it's a decent start and it's just something that has to be done and then hopefully when this situation gets sorted out hopefully sooner rather than later um, we can all sort of go back to to how it was and, and improve things going forward. Okay, we'll leave that there as the Premier League has suspended their broadcast contract in Russia amidst the Russians' invasion of Ukraine. Um, there is European action tomorrow night for Leicester City, and that's where we're going to focus now on their defender, Wesley Fofana, who signed a new deal at King Power Stadium until 2027. He's a young, promising defender who hasn't played this season due to a nasty injury, a leg fracture that he picked up in pre-season. He's looking close to a return. We might see him play for the Foxes before the end of the season. But that is very good news for Leicester supporters, Ian. Uh, a young player with plenty of potential, signed up until 2027, particularly in a season where Leicester have struggled at the back. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think in this day and age with uh, with clubs going around waving silly money around for uh, people like Chris Wood, uh, no names mentioned, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it, it, we, we will probably see um, players getting signed up on longer term contracts going forward because they know that money is now no object for um, for certain clubs. I'm not just saying Newcastle because there's other clubs around Europe as well, for example, that have got bottomless pockets and you know can activate these release clauses. So to get players signed up over a longer period deters that um, and they need a bit of stability. There's no point getting to a point where um, clubs, whoever they are, have got a team that they know could just be decimated in you know within a week of the transfer window opening with with people coming on offering a stack of cash and saying right he's our player now and obviously it doesn't work like that because the player has to go uh, through their own will um you know they're not being sort of a fully traded commodity and carried off uh, against their uh, will kicking and screaming to newcastle i mean who'd want that um but um yeah you know that i think it, stability is is a, is a big thing for success in any team and for you know, for a manager to be able to plan ahead, for fans to know who their team is, um, and and having these young players signed up for a long amount of time uh, in advance has um, you know got to allay some some fears there, hopefully, and uh, that's good. I think it's a sign as to how good a player Wesley Fofana is at the tender age of 21 or whatever he is now. The fact that Leicester have looked all at sea without him at the back this season. Yeah, I think with his. Um... His talent and and Johnny Evans have been without them for most of the season, and that is that is not a coincidence as to why they've struggled. You know, um, Soyuncu needs a partner. Um, Daniel Omate has been in been in centre back quite a lot with him. He's not really a, a centre back; he's more of a defensive mid, more of a bit of a utility man, really. Um, sort of jack of all trades and master of none. <laughs> with uh, with respect to him, he's not he's not as good as Evans. He's not as good as Fafana. So. I think with Fafana, it's uh, it's just a case of getting his uh, getting his recovery right because it was a it was a horrible injury he did. I think he broke his leg and did his ankle ligament at the same time. Um, so you know, at, at uh, still a developing age, it, it has to be looked after right. And um, and I think you know from what Rogers said a couple of weeks ago, I think he said he wanted to just give him some friendly games and uh, reserve games, but there's not that many coming up for for uh, Leicester's under twenty threes now. So. It might just be a case of using um, using any any games you can to just bed him in for if it's fifteen twenty minutes towards the end if it's the um, Europa Paint Conference Trophy whatever it is you know against whoever Ren is it yeah stick him in there against Ren I'd expect him to start that game next week or whenever it is um, so yeah just just make sure he's he's coming back right because you know Leicester they're not fighting for the top four they're not fighting really for the top six they could get there but they're not properly in that fight I don't think so it's almost like getting getting him right for next season and, and going again you know harder next season because obviously Leicester have gone through quite a, a tough period they've had a lot of, lot of injuries a lot of uproar and uprest and you know things going slightly wrong slightly pear-shaped after a good season last season um, so is it, it is it more of a case now of saying right? Well, we're going to be right for next season. We're going to sort this sort this out. We'll get Wesley back. We'll get get his partnership with Sun Chu going just in case Johnny Evans just doesn't come back at the age of thirty three, thirty four, whatever he is. Um, and then we can push on next season and try and get back to that top four with with Man United having another season of change coming up. Uh, Conte potentially could do anything at Spurs. He could burn the old place down or he could lead him to a league title you never know um 
So yeah, you know, there's there's still a gap there. There's still a gap to be the fourth best side in in England. Um, so is it a case of that for Leicester? I would say probably, uh, probably it might be a, a smart thing to to get everyone right and then re- make a, a real push of it next year. Yeah, you talk about Fafana's comeback. There is a under twenty three game on Sunday against Derby at Derby's training ground. So I do wonder whether he'll play there or whether they'll just hold him back for another couple of weeks just to make extra sure because the facilities they've got at Seagrave, their new training ground, are, are second to none really in the Premier League. So it might be worth. The best thing about that is he doesn't even have to uh, be an overage player in the under twenty three. I know he? it's remarkable, isn't it? He's only twenty one <laughs> years of age. Um, but Brendan Rodgers said earlier this season. Ian, that maybe there will be changes in personnel in the summer. Maybe it is time to have a bit of a reshuffle. They've signed Ricardo Pereira recently on a deal till 2026. We've seen Fafana sign until 2027. Is that a telltale sign that the players that Rogers wants to build around are the ones that are signing new contracts? It's quite an obvious thing to say, but it can easily go under the radar. I think there is a clue in there. Uh, you might be onto something. <laughs> I think so. And we were talking, I think, last week, um, or if not the week before, about Leicester, in that how they, you know, they, they, they've not been a solid, real, real solid lineup on, on the pitch. You know, you'd, you'd struggle to name their starting lineup off the top of your head over, over recent weeks and months. And maybe they are getting a bit more stability back now with players coming back from injury. Uh, Jamie Vardy obviously is back now, and, and that makes. Um, a big difference but we were saying they it was hard to know exactly who was part of the plan and who wasn't we're saying that a couple of weeks ago so we are now starting to get an answer to that maybe they're listening to this podcast and going do you know what guys (laughs) they've pointed out that we, we we need to send that signal out to the football social daily podcast who is a key part get issuing the contracts so um, I hope not because Daniel Amate will be around my house uh, pinning me up by the, by the throat after the, calling him a jack of all trades and master of none hey you usually pay good money for that kind of thing don't knock it so <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah uh, let's 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 see how it all um, how it all goes but I we, I think Leicester do need to sort of trim out who they've got and, and what they're doing and, and, and it's something that they needed to do they need to sort of revamp things a little bit and so it looks like they're on with that yeah I mean if you look at their squad in general they've got uh, some good young players in there I mean aside from the goalkeeping unit which is which is experienced to say the least Soyuncu's 25 Fafana 21 then you've got two more experienced defenders Investigard and Evans but in terms of the fullbacks You've got Pereira, 28, Castagna, 26. Luke Thomas is only 20. Uh, James Justin, still yet to come back into the side fully from injury. Dewsbury Hall's been good this season. Marley, Telemons, whether he stays or goes is another question. Madison's only 25. Barnes has been brilliant. He's only 24. Dacca's only 23. Iheanacho's 25, but it feels like he's been around forever. So in terms of having a core group of players at good ages with plenty of years left of potential in them. Leicester do have the crux of that, don't they? They have something to build around. Yeah, they do. Um, I think James Justin signed a new deal last week as well. So, so that's a, that's another thing. Um, you know, people forget how good he was. Uh, was it last season before he had a, a pretty bad knee injury that, that curtailed him pretty uh, sort of halfway through the season and you kind of like forgot about him sort of thing. But He's he he was brilliant. So if he can get back to that level, and all the players you just mentioned, you know, um, stereotypes would pro- would say that they're all coming into their prime. You know, at, at 24, 25, uh, with the likes of Madison and and Barnes and and Telemans, you know, they're all coming towards their their sort of best years. Um, and Leicester need to make sure that they, you know, they can do something which 
you know, uh, gets the best out of them and, and reflects their, their talent because we all know they've got it. You know, Madison, Tielemans, uh, and Didi, you know, they're three of the best positioned, best players in their position in the Premier League. Like, Madison's attacking midfield output, his goals, assists is, is fantastic. Uh, Tielemans is one of the best passers in the league, like, in, ter- in terms of that centre midfield sort of box-to-box uh, role of, of creating things from slightly deeper. Um, he's he's fantastic, and 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 Didi is probably one of the best ball winning defensive midfielders in the in the Premier League. So you've got them, and you add people around them. You know, promising youth players. Dewsbury Hall's been been pretty decent since coming in, into the team. Luke Thomas has has almost nailed down that left back spot in terms of uh, until James Justin comes back and and pushes him for it. So there's plenty of like um, good days ahead of Leicester. They just need to. Um, refocus. I, I think. I think they've. I think this season they 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 thought it would be a bit easier than than they did because of what they'd done for the last two seasons. I think they slacked off a little bit um, and maybe took it for granted that they were going to be the fourth or fifth best team in the league. And the Premier League has kind of went, nope, that's that's not happening, you know. And and teams have overtook them. Crystal Palace, Southampton in mid table around them. Brighton for a long time were were ahead of them. Um, so this is. You know that that has to be the wake up call for them now because they've still got a talented squad and they're not quite yet at the peak. Um, so the 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 room for progression at Leicester is is still very much there. Certainly is. And Wesley Fofana signed a new deal at the club until twenty twenty seven. Right, that wraps up Football Social Daily. That is it for today. Much appreciated, Ian, from your beautiful perch looking out the window at St. James's Park. Yes, I'll be back on my usual perch uh, overlooking the North Sea and the industrial zones of Sunderland next week. So uh, yeah, <laughs> join me then. Marley, bet that sounds delightful to you, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be there right now, but yeah, the... Are you able to see the um, the redevelopment work they're doing there, there Ian, from Nine Bar, they rebranded it again to Shearer's after Mike Ashley buggered uh, off? It says, well, the the picture, I, I'm not right out the window at this minute, but it's uh, it's it's Nine Bar still, as far as I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Nine yeah. Bar is what it says, and uh, that's, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, after the after the home game at the weekend, there's we're we're not there for a month now. So in that month, they rebranded it back to Shearer's Are because they? Mike because right. it used to be Shearer's and then Mike Ashley fell out with Shearer and <laughs> in in a in a spiteful pettiness went right. You're not having your bar <laughs> uh, and and even moved his statue, moved his statue to outside prem, outside club grounds. Um, and and renamed Shearer's Bar to Nine Bar. So that is that is very petty, isn't it? Yeah, I kind of admire it though in a weird way. I'm surprised they didn't rebrand it to like the Sports Direct Bar and and serve drinks only in those massive mugs. <laughs> you don't need the Geordies to be having pints from mugs like that. Honestly, it'd be chaos. That's it for Football Social Daily today. Hit subscribe that way you won't miss one big show tomorrow. Premier League games, European games, it'll be packed. Make sure you hit subscribe as I say, and that way you won't miss it. We'll see you then football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode